Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And remember to go get your little free gift over at MightyParenting.com where you can grab your free email series on how to talk to your teen. So today I'm addressing something that's been an issue for women for years now, and that is body image. In fact, it may have always been an issue for women. I don't know about back in the 1800s or whatever, but I do know that through my entire lifetime, this has definitely been a big issue. And it's interesting because I'm pondering it and I'm crafting the interview for today. And so as I'm thinking about it, I realized that I know very few women who are happy with their body. And actually, let me rephrase that. Um, None of the women that I am friends with, none of the women I have talked to about this are happy with their body. So it might be that the others aren't either, but we just haven't talked about it, right? Now, some of them feel okay with it or they've come to terms with it, but that's different from actually being happy with it. And it's not just a weight issue. Women and girls I know are unhappy with many different aspects of their body. And then what happens is all these feelings leak into other areas of our lives. I was working with a client a while ago who was focusing on stress relief in her life, and that's what we were working on, her life and her business and the stress. And one of the things we uncovered along the way was the fact that when her weight was good, she felt great. She was on top of the world and she was ready to tackle anything. And she believed she could do anything and she could keep the practices in place that helped her deal with stress and prevent stress in her life. And then when her weight changed by even as little as five pounds, her belief in herself faltered and impacted her relationships and her business. And none of us want that for our kids. We definitely don't want this for our girls. So today we're going to explore body positivity. And joining us to help with that conversation is Emily Lauren Dick. And Emily is the author of Body Positive, A Guide to Loving Your Body. Emily, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thanks for having me. I got to say, Emily... I first saw that title of your book and I'm like, that's a tall order. (laughs) (laughs) It is a lot to ask. It is. You know, like I said, loving your body is, that's a big stretch for most girls and even women. And, and it's horribly sad. And so it's got me going, okay, why is it that we are so unhappy with our bodies? I think that we are taught at a very young age um, as young girls and as women that our bodies are the most important thing about who we are. And there is no way for us to achieve the unattainable standards that are, you know, promoted to us through several different avenues, whether it be the media, um, even, you know, our parents, things like that. And, um, all of that contributes to the way that we feel about our bodies and that we're never going to be good enough. And as women and as girls, we're taught that the most important thing about us is our bodies first. That's an interesting statement. We talk a lot about 
impact of media on our lives in various ways. And we have talked about weight and body image on the show before I'll in the show notes at the end, I'll link to some of the other episodes for different aspects of this, but I haven't, I don't recall hearing anyone say that as girls were taught that our bodies are who we are. Could you expand on that? Absolutely. I mean, we, we are taught that, you know, we can't be happy or we can't be successful unless we have a perfect looking body. You know, like the example you were using before about your friend or your, your client that had felt better when she was in a smaller body. It's really, it's sort of a mental thing. You know, it's, you know, body image is exactly that. It's our mental picture of who we think we are. And um, we're taught that, you know, the smaller we are, the more attractive we are, the more better we are. So that translates into different areas of our lives, our happiness, our success, all of those things, you know, are connected. Interesting. But this doesn't just apply to being overweight or, you know, above an ideal weight. In in reading your book, you talked about many different things that can impact us. And I know, I know women who feel just that they're too thin or even myself, I have a very lean physique and, it, and it's this weird combination of, well, this part's too fat, but then I'm bony in through here. My arms look like string beans or it's both sides of that coin. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, when I started this project, I referred to all the girls that I photographed as, you know, average girls, some, you know, people that didn't fit in, in either category, right? You know, you're either too big, you're too small. Um, you know, you're, you're not big breasted enough. You're not, you know, um, tall enough. There's so many things that can contribute to this. And, you know, the, the body acceptance movement, you know, stemmed from the fat acceptance movement, which, you know, was the fact that, you know, people were discriminated against because of, of their, their body size and shape. But, this is so embedded in our culture that, you know, negative body image affects people of all different shapes and sizes, especially, um, you know, those who, um, who are, are thin and, you know, and especially those who are larger, right? And that you mentioned the pictures in your book, that was something that I'm not even sure what the term is, but I so appreciated that. And I appreciated the variety of of women and girls who you had in here you know different ages different weights different races different uh, abilities it was just kind of really bringing home how global this issue is yes exactly and i mean that was the the purpose when i started this project was i wanted everyone every woman who opened this book to see someone that sort of reminded themselves um, you know, of who they are, what they look like. And, you know, there, there's so many types of bodies out there that it, you know, I could have kept going, but, um, but it was important to include a lot of different body types because we all experience ourselves, um, and the world through these different bodies, you know, people, um, with, you know, darker skin colors and people with different abilities obviously have different experiences than able-bodied white women. Um, but you know, sort of the, the, the one message that, that we're all taught is that our bodies are, are the most important thing about who we are and we have to look and appear a certain way. 
Yeah, it was even down to like having skin issues or scars. And and yes. again, going back, to, I just, I guess what it was is I felt like we could all find ourselves in there. There were women who had tattoos or piercings. There were, like I said, just all different kinds of people. So I appreciated that. But you also mentioned in your book, which I think ties in right here, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about how um, girls are taught that our bodies are who we are. You also said in your book, I'm going to quote it. Girls don't simply decide to hate their bodies. We teach them to. Actually, it wasn't in your book. It was on your Facebook page. Yes, That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you put up a, a great photo, great graphic with that. Girls don't simply decide to hate their bodies. We teach them to. And that, mm. as a parent, that really hit home and hurt. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's where this all begins, right? I mean, we we never do these things purposely to our children, but um, part of the reason why this book exists is, is not only to educate our children, but also to educate ourselves so that we can, you know, help them along and, you know, not be facing the same issues that that we've had growing up and hopefully eventually put a stop to, you know, negative body image and the importance, you know, that we've placed on on the way we look. So I'm wondering as a parent, like what kinds of things we might be doing inadvertently. I mean, I get the media piece, right? Mm -hmm. We we all know that, but inadvertently in the home or, you know, within our family circle, what kinds of things might we be doing that could be sending these messages to our girls without intending to? Well, I mean, it starts with the way we talk about our own bodies, right? So, you know, we, when you hear that your mother's on a diet, you know, and you, she hears you, you know, talking about, um, you know, that you don't fit into your clothes and that you feel bad about yourself. Those things, even though you're not saying them to your daughter, like, you know, you need to lose weight or you need to, you know, look a certain way and fit into small clothing. You are inadvertently teaching them to judge themselves, um, you know, and they as they get older, they, they really start to take things, think those things to heart. And, you know, it, it happens at a certain point where, you know, your, your daughter who once was comfortable wearing a bathing suit, you know, all of a sudden is, you know, doubting herself and, you know, critiquing herself, um, the same way that you have done. Um, and it's, you know, it's part and parcel because of the media and outside sources, but it also starts in the home, right? You know, we, we teach our, our children to have our same, you know, viewpoint. And, uh, you know, it's really important that your, your kids know that you love and appreciate your own body. Well, and you said that teaching them to judge themselves and the other piece I heard as you were talking is if we say things like that about our own bodies, we're also showing them that we believe there is a standard. Yes. That there, there is the standard that we should be striving for. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the goal, you know, we think our kids are beautiful and we want them to know that. But if, if we don't think that, or at least if we, you know, don't fake it till we make it sort of thing, um, they're, they're going to learn that, you know, their, their worth is tied to their weight and appearance. Okay. So that's a loaded statement. Their worth is tied to their weight and appearance. How did we jump from, okay. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I want to feel good. No, I, I I get this. Right. So, but I'm just following this train. Right. And I'm going, okay, so 
I get the piece. I need to watch what I'm saying about myself. Mm-hmm. I, I get the piece that the media is out there so I can start conversations, make comments when we're watching a movie or we've read a book or there's a billboard, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I get that. But this is, for me, this was kind of a leap between, yeah, there's this physical standard about how we want to look and, and this is, affects how we feel about our looks. But how is that equating to their worth? I think is based that, on their looks. Yeah, absolutely. I think your children see you not participating in your life because there's certain things, you know, a mom who might want to take her kid to the pool. You know, if that mom refuses to get in on the fun because she's self-conscious about how she appears in her bathing suit, you know, that teaches your children something about, you know, if you're not worthy enough, if you're, if you're not skinny enough, then you're not worthy enough to, to enjoy life, to have fun with your family and do all of the things that, that make life so exciting and worthwhile. So if we're not skinny enough, if our skin isn't clear enough, if we aren't pretty enough, whatever, then we do not deserve to participate in life. Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, and you talked about to another thing when our kids are are younger. I mean, I I would think that most of our teenagers in their 20 somethings do not still play with their Barbies, but Mm -hmm. you never know. So I haven't looked at a Barbie doll since my children are very young and they really never latched on to that. So we didn't go that route so much. Mm -hmm. So I haven't looked at them. I don't know if, if they are so proportioned like they were back when I was a kid and I was playing with them and and I'll date myself here, go back in the (laughs) seventies. But you talked about in the book and you talked about like, this is a place where we put we put this in our child's hand and I know there's been an uproar over the years. And so mm-hmm. we ended up having, you know, Barbies that had some physical differences. We had some Barbies that were um, encouraging our girls to have careers and things like that. But did they ever change the body shape? They made them slightly larger, but um, they're still, their plus size sort of Barbie is, you know, what, what you call straight size plus size. Um, so it's still not really, you know, they're still curvy, sort of that hourglass shape. Um, although slightly por- proportioned bigger, they're, they're still sending the same or similar message. So I wanted to share again, some of the points you had in your book and you, you had a whole lot about Barbie, but you said she would be five foot nine and weigh only 110 pounds and then have a size three shoe. Yeah. I'm like, She could, how would you even stand in that? And then you said later too, like she wouldn't even be with her proportions and the way her body is set up, she wouldn't be able to stand up. She'd have to crawl around on all fours and then she would be too thin to have a healthy liver or bowels. So she would suffer from chronic diarrhea. And I'm like, (laughs) now there's a conversation. There is a picture to put in your kid's head, right? (laughs) Barbie crawling around on (laughs) floors and suffering from digestive issues for her whole life. Mm -hmm. 
it, I mean, I said it, I'm being funny, but in a sense, it's like, you know, that is, I think that is a good conversation to have with our kids, our boys and our girls, because yes. while we're talking about the things that impact our girls, number one, there are things in the media, in our society that impact our boys. And we've talked about that on the show before too, but also there our boys are also being impacted because they're being given the message of this is what a woman should look like. And this is when you should value her. And this is what you should value about her. Mm -hmm. So we also need to watch what we're saying about ourselves and and these same things. We need to be careful of whether we're raising boys or girls. Exactly. I mean, you know, we we're taught from a young age and we're teaching our children, you know, that, women and girls are subjects and objects, sorry. And, and boys, they're, they're the, they're the subjects, right? Like they're, they're the ones who are watching the girls, you know, monitoring their bodies. And they're taught that that's what, what a man does. You know, the, if your girl, if your partner is, you know, appealing and skinny and big breasted, then you're more of a man. So it's just as damaging, you know, for, for boys to learn these ideals as well. Well, and I'm thinking that that's going to cross all kinds of boundaries and borders, you know, as you go through different gender identities and all of that, that, but the bottom line is no matter what are all of our kids need to be getting these same messages. And, and again, we've talked a lot about weight and there are other issues, but one of the other things that I think has happened and you address in your book is this weight has kind of given weight, not the actual judging ourselves on the weight, but talking about it, we found a new way to make this be an acceptable goal by talking about being active and lean and fit. Mm-hmm. And we think that we're talking about something else, but we're not. No, exactly. It's, it's just, you know, it's been replaced by a different conversation. We talk about health and you're healthy um, if you look a certain way. But I mean, studies have already proven that, you know, the way you appear is not an indicator of your health. And the problem is we think that your appearance is an indicator of health. I mean, there's a lot of factors at play, um, you know, genetics, um, you know, family history of things that, that determine what you look like. And you know, you can be a very thin, skinny, unhealthy person, and you can be a very fat, healthy person. So the um, societies you talked about online or organizations, groups, you know, people kind of gather together and our kids, I think this is really important for parents to know that our kids are running into something called finspiration. Could you share a bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, especially with teens right now with, you know, being so overloaded with social media, you know, TikTok and Instagram and, and all of that, um, you know, there's these images that are put out there specifically to inspire being thin to the point where, you know, some of these posts are actually glorifying anorexia and eating disorders. Um, So you'll see something, you know, like, a picture of someone's collarbone and it'll say something like, this is what we strive for, um, you know, or you'll, you'll, you'll read articles or little posts that, that say, you know, how, how many calories have you consumed today? And it's all about teaching, you know, girls and boys, you know, to, to monitor 
um, their appearance and to, to strive for, for a certain look. And, and the problem with that too, is a lot of these images that are out there are already manipulated. They're Photoshopped, you know, they're, they're not actually human. And their kids don't know that they have no idea. I remember years ago, many years ago, I, I think it was actually, I caught a little piece of an Oprah episode it was something where there was a supermodel on the show. Mm -hmm. And so they have her on stage I and mean, she's just sitting in chair talking to us, but then they have, you know, the huge blow image of the magazine cover that she's on and she mm -hmm. turns around, she looks at it and she's like, that's not me. She's like, right? that is not what I look like. So even supermodels are being Photoshopped. And then I remember too, my girls were, I think they were preteens, young teens, when I found out about Kate Winslet putting a clause in her contracts yes. saying that nobody could airbrush her thighs. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I've always appreciated her as an actress, mm -hmm. but when I heard about that, I'm like, she just got put on this big pedestal and I still will talk to my girls about that and, yeah. and, and how and, important and it is to be real and to recognize that the stuff that we're seeing is not real. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the important thing. And that's why it's so important for, you know, celebrities and people that act as role models to, you know, what I like to say, hashtag see more real, you know, we, we need to see more real examples of, of what they look like, especially when there's companies that take their images and their celebrity status and use it to, you know, damage even more so the the ideal image that that is out there to you know for them to try and achieve mm -hmm. well and going back to we've we've gone on a little further but I, I wanted to talk just a little bit more about this thinspiration because mm -hmm. when you talked about in the book you showed that to me again this is a place that things could be insidious you know as a parent if we have a child who who has, you know, been sedentary and is regardless of anything else needs to get healthy or they're a child who, you know, is bigger than they want to be. And they've decided now that they're going to do a workout routine or something is totally natural as a parent to try to support them. And yet with online communities and kids gathering that way, even in person too, they're going to get the same comments and things. And we have the, the clean eating movement and all the different food things going on, which I know as an adult is creates a nightmare for me with trying to figure out what's the best way to feed my family and all yeah, that. Right. Absolutely. So, um, the idea that our kids can get sucked into this thinspiration lifestyle, or again, even in their best efforts to just really be trying to get healthier, to be pulled into the inspiration, the photos, those kinds of things that are promoting something that's not healthy. I think one, parents just need to be aware of it. And two, do you have suggestions for us on how we can combat that? Absolutely. I mean, I think seeing, like, I always like doing the before and after Photoshop example, when I'm talking to um, teens about you know, body image and inspiration. And I think it's really important to like, when you see those striking differences between what's real and what's not real, I think that's really eye-opening. Um, I know it was eye-opening 
you know, the first time I had seen something like that, like you said, the, the Kate Winslet um, example, you know, I think that there are websites and um, positive body resources out there for parents to access. Um, I mean, I, I tried to post, you know, some inspiring stuff on online as well, but, um, but literally you can type in on Google body positive or before and after Photoshop examples. And it, it gives you a place to start having the conversations with your teenagers about what's real and what's not real. So, you know, then you can sort of develop a conversation about, um, you know, strategies to, to challenge what they see when they're on Instagram or when they see a piece of inspiration in, in the, the social community. Okay, so this goes back to a, a theme that we have here at Mighty Parenting, right? It's it's building relationship, having conversations. So what I'm seeing so far is that we need to be aware that there are a lot of things that come into play that will impact our children's views of what females should look like and what their bodies should look like. And that can carry over into, and, and generally does carry over into self-esteem and how much they enjoy life and how successful they are in all aspects of their life. So we as parents watch, like clean our own house. Again, it goes mm -hmm. back to this thing of take care of ourselves, but also have those conversations with our teens, start talking to them. And then you say, we can Google body positive or um, body Photoshop so that we can kind of show them some examples of it. And, and I like that. I like that a lot. The other thing that surprised me is um, some of what you were talking about with bullying and yes. body positive images. I, again, yes, I know that sometimes when a child is overweight, they, they get dubbed as quote unquote, the fat kid and they get bullied, but that's not all you were talking about. No, I mean, uh, it, it's a way that um, these ideals are reinforced in our society. We were taught, um, you know, that we, we play a part in upholding um, these views on what a body should look like. And um, I think also it ties into our own feelings about our bodies. And, you know, we're taught so much to compare ourselves that if we think that our body is better than someone else's, then we feel a little bit better about ourselves, at least temporarily. So this creates, you know, environments where, where bullying can, can really happen. And, uh, and it's, it's something that, you know, just reinforces these standards. Yeah. And you talked about how oftentimes it, if someone doesn't feel good about their body image for whatever reason, that they can actually become a bully because you said bullies are jealous of something their target has or is, mm -hmm. or they'll bully to, to deal with their low self-esteem. Exactly. And so I just, again, kind of that turn, turn things kind of on their head, right. From what we normally think about in terms of bullying. So this is something that, again, we, we want to have relationship with our kids. We want to be having conversations so we can pick up on if maybe they are being bullied or maybe they're getting involved in bullying, whether mm -hmm. they are themselves, you know, just one-on-one -on -one bullying somebody or whether they are part of a group that's bullying other kids. Um, 
but again, how does this, how does this tie into helping our, helping our kids, helping our daughters have a body positive image? I think, first of all, we need to talk to them about having the skills to handle what happens when either you're being bullied or you become the bullier. Um, when you can have those conversations with them, you can start to figure out the root of what's really going on. If it's insecurity, if it's, you know, the impact that gender has on, on, um, bullying, are you trying to be, you know, more male, more masculine, like, um, you know, are you, are you trying to make yourself feel better about being insecure? Um, it, it, again, it's another starting point to have these conversations. But I think the important thing is you need to have an opportunity to build your teen's self-esteem and really teach them resiliency because there are so many messages being flooded towards them at, at that age, especially that, you know, we need to teach them to challenge what they see and whether it's, you know, stepping up for someone who's being bullied or, you know, ignoring and walking away and, and, you know, it's, they're not going to know what to do in that situation unless we talk to them. And if you think your child is not a bullier or if they have never been bullied, it's, it, it's not true because it's just so embedded. It could be playful teasing. It could be, um, you know, girls uh, focus more on relational aggression, which is, you know, very social, like we'll exclude you from, from our group because, you know, you're not dressed a certain way or you don't do a certain thing a certain way. Um, so it's really important to have these conversations, whether you think your, your child is being bullied or, or, or not. And I think it's important for us to realize that what you just described, relational aggression, is also bullying. Yes. We, we have sort of a stereotype sometimes, I think, around that of one possibly being a physical issue, you know, actually physically harming somebody, or of being kind of the bully meeting up with the one kid in the hallway and having a confrontation type of a situation. But as you said, <clears throat> girls can really take it to more of an emotional and friendship and exclusionary kind of a place. Yeah. And I mean, especially now with kids being so on their phones and on social media, um, you know, relational aggression ties in quite closely with cyberbullying and online harassment. Cause it's easy to say like, Oh, you know, don't, don't talk to this girl because, you know, we're avoiding her right now. And that can snowball into some pretty big issues. And uh, it, it's pretty scary and devastating, you know, what route that can take if it's, if it's not dealt with. Yeah. And, and dealt with is everything that we talked about, right? That you share with us right from the beginning. Dealt with starts with how am I valuing myself? How am I evaluating and judging myself? what am I saying in front of my kids? And then moving into those conversations with them. And, and I say conversations, sometimes those conversations aren't going to be conversations. I'm seriously, we're talking about teenagers or 20 somethings. They're not going to necessarily want to have sit down and have a conversation about these two different photos, but I can sure take 30 seconds and go, check this out. This is what I saw online. Can you believe that magazines are allowed to get away with this? Like, this is what this person looks like. This is what they put on the cover of the magazine. 
Exactly. Just rooting sort of, you know, where they might end up in the social world. I mean, even throwing a a book at them or something, you know, that, that has some information that, you know, they might, they might not feel comfortable talking to you about certain things, um, you know, at the stage that they're in, in their teens. But um, if you give them access to information, you know, uh, kids are smarter than you think, you know, I, I think that uh, they might not want to hear it from mom and dad, but, uh, but they will, they will read and they will, they will take what you have to say um, with great importance. Well, and as you said, all of this ties into the very important groundwork that we do with our kids of helping them to feel good about themselves, which includes having resilience. And we talk about self-esteem, which really starts with self-compassion. And I'll link to some additional episodes in the show notes that can help parents build those things in their kids so that you, you have a broader base to work from because the better our kids feel about themselves when they have purpose, when they, when they're feeling like they are a worthy, strong human being, that they have purpose in this world that will help us combat those physical messages as well as things like the bullying situation. It would help prevent them from becoming a bully because they're going to be content with who they are. Right. So they're not going to feel that need to bully someone else. And it will also hopefully give them the strength they would need to help stand up to a bullying situation. And in talking about that, it reminded me actually, I'm going to link to this episode too, because it, it seems a little off the beaten track. You would not normally combine them, but in episode 133, we talked about nonviolent activism. And it made me think of that because when we were talking about the bullying, we talked about the bully and the bullied. But when Todd taught us about nonviolent activism, he said, when there's an injustice, there are three groups of people. There's the person who's instigating and, and propagating the injustice. There's the person who is the victim of the injustice, but then there are all these people on the sidelines and the people on the sidelines can have a huge impact. So again, even if we're like, well, my child doesn't have a huge issue with this. Well, let's keep, let's keep making sure they don't have a huge issue with it and, and let's keep building them up and helping them learn about body positive messaging and, and how the the world can very sneakily <laughs> undermine them and what they think of themselves so, so they can be a strong person. And just one last thing I, I loved, which kind of ties into this, is you said in the book that many of us are taught that being sexy is powerful, but that is not the case. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one way in which, you know, it's, it's sort of, we're, we're taught, oh yeah, if, if you're sexy, you, you have power, but if you aren't sexy, then, then that teaches you, or if you don't feel sexy, then that teaches you that you are not powerful. And I think that's the wrong message, um, to be teaching young girls, especially because, you know, we, we are powerful. We can be powerful, um, by being who we are, being true to ourselves, um, by standing up for what we believe in, um, by challenging what we see in the world and, you know, valuing the things about ourselves that aren't physical. Are we compassionate? Are we good people? Um, are we a good friend? 
Do we love helping people? What are, what are the things that, that make us who we are? Those are the things that, that make us powerful. And those are the things that we need to, to learn. And we need to change the thinking that, that sexy is powerful. And so I think that goes back to what simple things like when we're complimenting or commenting on our kids that we want to focus in on those characteristics, like you said, being kind or being creative or being a problem solver or more of who they are rather than their appearance in the world. Is that what we want to do there? Absolutely. And I mean, there's a big difference between the way we speak to our girls and the way we speak to our boys. And we, we don't even really intentionally do it. But, you know, even when our kids are young, we say things like, you're so beautiful. You're so cute to girls and boys get, oh, you're smart. You're, you're a ladies man. You know, you're, you're so scientific and we need to be conscious. Like our, our kids, part of building a healthy self-esteem is, is teaching them that, that, they are beautiful, but it's also not just that, especially with girls. It, it should be, you're kind, you're smart, but you're also beautiful and we love you and, and all of that. But if we only focus on the physical, they're going to grow up focused on, on their physical achievements rather than, you know, the other, the other achievements that they, that they might be playing a part in great insights for us. And like I said, some things that I definitely think we as parents need to be aware of. And I know your book release is here in January, Emily, which is exciting. I will, of course, have a link to to the book in the show notes as well as your website. But would you share your website with listeners so they can find you directly? Sure. It's happydaughter.com. Well, thank you so much for helping us get a deeper understanding of this issue, Emily. I really appreciate you joining us on Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much for having me. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you liked the podcast, then please rate, review, and share it. And let another parent you know know about the podcast and and probably in particular this episode, because we're all impacted by this. That way you can help other parents on their parenting journey simply by sharing the podcast with them. And thank you for joining us here today for being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week.